Hello and welcome to Speaking Of, conversations on voice, speech, and identity with me, Ryan O'Shea. Each episode, I'm talking with a guest who has a real question about voice, speech, or presence. Then I'm guiding them through concepts and exercises to help them, and you, understand a bit more about the question. In this episode, I'm asking the question to my friend and colleague, Rachel Finley. Rachel is an actor, director, spoken word artist, and teacher specializing in acting, voice, and speech. Rachel is currently researching dialects of the African diaspora, so I invited her here as a follow-up to my last episode. I asked Rachel, what are your thoughts on the so-called African-American vernacular of English? Rachel had so much insight, and I'm really so excited to share the conversation with you now. Here we go. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm really uh, just so excited that you're here and so grateful that you're taking time, especially in the midst of like your packing to move and things like that. Yeah, no, it's an exciting time and I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you so much. So Rachel Finley, would you tell me a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I'm an actor, director, spoken word artist. Um, I also do some set design and some screenwriting as well um, and a little bit of playwriting. I am currently a professor, adjunct professor and part-time lecturer at several different institutions, including University of Miami, uh, Florida Atlantic University. But starting in the fall, I will be a full-time tenure-track assistant professor at Arizona State University, which I am really looking forward to um, because they are very supportive of the things that I want to research. And, um, you know, they're really interested in innovating and really bringing in new ideas into the classroom. So I'm very excited to be working with them on that. Congratulations. That's, That's so amazing. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so some of the things that I'll be that will be the focus points of my research will be dialects of the diaspora, um, meaning dialects of spoken by people of African descent outside of Africa, and then also um, I'm doing some research on the performance techniques that are taught in Africa that originate from Africa, so that those can also be incorporated into curriculum. And that's a a beautiful segue to exactly why I wanted to chat with you today, because in the last episode that I did with my friend Brandon, towards the end of the episode, we were going, "What what a good conversation. And I was going, I need to talk to someone who knows more than me about this. And your your research on the dialects of the diaspora is... uh, I'm I'm very interested in hearing that. But my first question... um, is when we were chatting on the phone last week, I said, oh, something about, oh, you know, um, we talked about the African-American vernacular of English. And I said, so, you know, maybe we could talk about when you teach that. And you said, I don't teach that. Uh, So I would love to hear your perspective on your thoughts on the so-called African-American vernacular of English. Well, I have several issues with using that as an accent. Um, I understand why linguists use it, um, you know, when studying the history of language. But when it comes to using it as an accent, uh, for one thing, I mean, 
the very word African-American vernacular of English, it has certain implications just because of the, the title, because of the fact that it says African-American within it. Um, some of the things that people tend to imply from hearing that name is that it is the dialect that all African-Americans speak, which is not accurate. Um, another thing is that everyone who speaks it is African-American, which is also not accurate. And then the fact that you have this accent that you're naming after a race, what other accent do we do that with? Every accent that we talk about is usually named after a region or a geographical location. And that's because accent is geographical and, and cultural, but also geographical. And so when you say African-American, I mean, whew, America's a big place, you know? Yeah. To think that all people of African descent in America, this huge place, speak the same accent seems to me to be obviously absurd, um, which I think is why we moved away, you know, we're moving away from general American to so-called general American. I think the same thing should be true of the African-American vernacular of English, it's so-called African-American vernacular of English. Anytime that we broad brush an accent like that, we're actually speaking about something that doesn't truly exist. There, you're not going to find people out in the real world who speak with that accent if when we generalize it to that degree. It's not going to be true of most people that fit into that category. But there are, are tons of African-Americans who do not speak AAVE. And they are no less African-American than people who do speak it. So um, I think that that's very problematic to, to call an accent something that has to deal with race rather than having it deal with region, location, and culture. And that's the other thing. African-Americans are not all culturally the same just as we're not all regionally the same. So I think that the problem that I have with it and the reason why I find that that name being used uh, for actors' accents a little bit infuriating even is because it does not acknowledge the diversity that truly exists among African-Americans and people who identify themselves as African-American. You know, I just wanted to be really clear that when I talk about African-American vernacular English as a term uh, being problematic, I fully understand why linguists use it. I understand the intent behind it, that for one thing, it's meant to legitimize um, a way of speaking that has been uh, often denigrated. But even though that intent is there, I feel the impact is not the same as the intent, right? So our intent is to legitimize the language, but our impact is that it also alienates people that don't speak it who are African-American. And it makes a race-based otherness for people who do speak it, but are not African-American. Um, so I think that there has to be a better term out there that we can come up with, potentially that has the impact that matches the intent. Because I think in the, at the end of the day, no matter how good our intent is, if our impact is not matching our intent, then that good intent is worthless, you know, just in my view of it. Yeah, it's such a good point. When when you said that to me on the phone call, I went, of course, you know, it's really been within the last couple of years that I heard for the first time, oh, there's no such thing as a general American accent. We should call it so-called general American. And I've gone, of course, my accent has changed as I've lived in different parts of the country. I hear my family's accent and how it changes. So-called makes so much more sense. And yet it did not occur to me that AAVE is also so-called African-American vernacular of English. When did you first hear this term? I just learned the term, I think, really within the last 
year or so. Is this something that you've heard used by colleagues? Is this a term that you, um, what, what's your experience with the term and with that as a dialect? Um, well, I've heard the term, I, the first I ever heard the term was used by linguists um, and its predecessor, Ebonics, right? I don't know if you remember that term from the Knights, I which do. I found equally annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um, mainly, you know, I guess also there's the fact that, you know, as an African-American woman who does not speak with that particular dialect, uh, typically, uh, you know, I was a child when Ebonics was the term and being a child who didn't speak that accent having other people say, oh, well, you're supposed to speak Ebonics. Say that to me. Like, tell me that's what I'm supposed to speak. Mm. Um, maybe part of what biases me against those types of terms. And I, I don't think it's unfair to have a bias against those types of terms um, as a result of my own personal experiences, because I know for a fact I'm not the only one who's had those experiences. So I think there is something true to that and that is worthy of being um, acknowledged and respected. So that's why I feel comfortable to bring it up, um, even though it is a personal bias. Um, but yeah, so that that predecessor Ebonics I heard from, you know, childhood. And then it, I guess it was more so in the mid 2000s, around 2010, 2012, that I started to hear possibly some movement towards a different name for it. Um, I'm sure that I did not hear it when it first first uh, became a term among linguists, but I would say in the, in the mid 2010s that I started to hear the term. So how often do you do dialect coaching generally? Is that a pretty regular part of your practice or um, it happens on occasion, like project by project? It's on occasion for sure, project by project. I've only done it on a few projects where I've actually been the dialect coach. Um, I teach accent work at the university pretty regularly every semester. Um, I've taught some sort of accent work, but the majority of the students that I teach are not African-American. Um, so that's also a factor. And that, so that I think is my, my greater question that I'm thinking of as thinking of my own practice and I have a large number of, of folks who come to me um, who are not born in the United States, but are actors predominantly uh, who are wanting to learn. Sometimes they'll say, I want to get rid of my accent, or sometimes they'll say, I want to do accent reduction. And sometimes they say, I want to learn the American accent. Mm -hmm. and, um, and typically that's when I'll say, great, I'd be happy to help you. We're going to approach it like you're learning the so-called general American accent. If you had someone who is um, perhaps they're from Europe, but the, uh, like a black actor for, from Europe or from another part of the world that were saying, I want to work in America as an actor, what accents do I need to learn? What might you offer them? Well, I mean, I, I think it, it really is going to, to vary, but I think just as, you know, to me, a white American actor would probably want to have a New York accent under their belt, a Southern accent under their belt, a Midwestern accent under their belt. 
I, I want to, and right now I don't feel that there is a lot of resources out there. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing the research um, to try to create those resources. But I want it to be the same way for black actors that, you know, it's not that you need to know African-American vernacular English. You need to know perhaps a Mississippi black accent. You need to know a Harlem accent, maybe, maybe a, a Baltimore accent, you know, like you, the accents are specific because the way people speak is specific. Even within South Florida, from Miami to West Palm Beach are two different accents amongst black people in those two different places. And that's, you know, only an hour and a half away from each other. So to speak one accent as if that's the whole of the United States, to me, yes, that's something you can have and have available to you, but I think you're going to do a better job of creating characters that are convincing and telling a story that people listen to without being annoyed by how your accent doesn't fit. If you are that specific and the more, of those specifics that you have under your belt, the more readily you can switch characters for different auditions. Yeah, I'm. I'm also curious about your. I, that makes so much sense, and and like you said, is so clear of what we would tell any actor that you you don't learn one accent. You want to have multiple ones, and there's probably a few that you're going to be called in for more that you'll want to have ready to go. When you're developing your curriculum for your classes. How do you, and this is this is always a question that I wrestle with myself because my education, and you know, I'm 34. I was, when I was an undergrad, I think the accents that I learned were like Irish and uh, a New York, but that New York was very uh, like, probably more like Italian American or Irish American, right? So and, um, you know, RP, and it was, these are the accents, right? And it truly didn't occur to me. Part of that is because the school that I went to, we, it was a predominantly white institution, the, the predominant number of people in there were Caucasian, but it didn't truly occur to me to, until I became an educator that, oh, of course, there is such a bias and a prejudice and a disservice that we do to our students by saying these are the standards, even if uh, perhaps a larger amount of the students in the class might benefit, might use these accents. So I still wrestle with the question when, I, when I'm creating a new class, what accents do I want to teach? How do you wrestle with that question? How, how do you decide which accents you're going to teach in a given semester, how you're going to approach that with your various groups of students? Sure. I, well, you know what? The way I feel about it is because I was trained in the same way as you, where those were the accents that I learned, and I have not been asked to do any of the accents pretty much that I've learned um, in an actual professional audition. But using the techniques that I used to learn those accents, I learned the accents that I need. So I have chosen not to teach all of the standard accents per se. Um, I do teach RP and I have chosen instead to also choose to teach accents from the wild so that students can learn what I had to figure out how to do. Because, um, you know, and, and I'm so grateful that I was able to take several workshops with Knight Thompson Speechwork. And because of those workshops, I was much more capable and prepared to do the work. But, um, I think it's really important for students to have that as well, not just to learn these prescribed accents that we've been taught are the accents every actor should know, but hey, what about the actors who aren't gonna be asked to do those accents? How do we figure out how to do it? And I feel like 
every student benefits from that because regardless of whether you are an actor who who has the look that goes along with those standard accents so-called standard accents you're still going to be better at doing any accent if you are capable of listening to an accent in the wild dissecting it and then creating for yourself what aspects of it you need to bring in order to make it clear that that's where you're from. So I take my students through that process and it takes longer. They get frustrated. It, they get upset sometimes. Sometimes they're mad at me because I, uh, what am I as you know a blue eyed blonde white girl ever gonna do with this Jamaican dialect from Montego Bay? You may never do anything with it or you may use it because there are blue eyed blonde white people in Montego Bay. But regardless, what you're gonna do something with is the skills it took to learn it. And so that's really where my focus has been. And you know, yes, it has at times made students a little frustrated, but I, I really strongly believe that it's gonna make them more prepared for the world and also more empathetic in it, you know, because they know now what it's like to not be the center of the universe. You know, for that one black student who was the only black student in the class to have an accent that we're learning that is something that they are likely to be asked to do. And so that they also know what it's like to be the center of the universe for once. You know, I think it's important for us to have both experiences so that when we go out into the world, we don't expect to always be the center and we don't expect to always be the last thought of, that we know that we have a place that is equivalent to everyone else's and we have the right to expect that. Yeah, what a beautiful point that it's not just teaching the the skill set itself, but also teaching, I think, empathy. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, that's, I mean, and as an actor in general, that's an important skill. You have to be able to empathize. How can you play a character if you can't empathize? So I think it's, you know, and it relates both to being a better person in the world, but also to being a better actor. So I think it's an important skill. Yeah. Do you have any, um, you, I know you said that you're part of why you're really excited about this new position at Arizona State is that they're really encouraging your research. How are you going about this research that you're doing? Well, for the dialect research, I'm going about it by collecting um, donated samples of accents. So I'm, you know, approaching people who have accents from various regions and asking them if they'd be willing to donate their accent to me. So we do a recording and um, from that recording, I do an analysis. And in the analysis, I do a breakdown of their mouth posture, um, some of the substitutions, you know, what are their lexical sets, variations, things like that. Um, and then any key signatures of the accent that don't fall into the obvious categories, but are definitely things you have to hit in order to get the accent right, as well as prosody. And then I also make sure that my breakdowns include some things about the culture that may be useful to an actor portraying a character from that region. And then do you have any plans, like any specific plans for this research? Or is it right now you're you're taking it a day at a time doing the research? Or is this? So I do want to eventually evolve it into a resource for actors that would be called Dialects of the Diaspora. And that way we have just, you know, like I love Paul Meyer's book, for example, it's a great, great resource, but it doesn't have a lot for actors that look like me, right? So, but it's so, it's so easy. It's so useful. And I want to create a resource like that for actors that look like me, that is just easy, useful at the tips of your finger. You can look at certain things and break it down quickly. Or if you, when you're ready to delve more deeply, you also can delve more deeply so that both options are available. So that's, that's what I'm looking to create. 
So if the, if there are people who are listening that are going, hey, I I am a Black American or I, I live in some part of the world, I would love to um, offer a sample of my speaking. Is that something that you would be interested in? Are you accepting or are you reaching out oh, to people? Yes, I would love that. I would love that. And um, they could reach me on my website, rachelfinleyarts.com. Um, that's R-A-C-H-E-L. F-I-N-L-E-Y-A-R-T-S dot com. Great. And I, I will absolutely link that in the uh, in the episode notes as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. Um, you shared your website. Is there anything else you want to share about how people might get in touch with you? Or I don't know how active you are on social media, that kind of thing. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, Rachel Finley on both of them. Um, Rachel Finley Arts on on Instagram, Rachel Finley on Facebook. Um, you may also see in the parentheses on the side, Flodiva. That's my spoken word name from my years of slam poetry competing. So you can also reach me on Facebook as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate you, uh, you taking the time, uh, but also, yeah, really educating in a way that something that I take for granted, not just as a a speech teacher, but as a white person. Um, And I I really appreciate that you would share your knowledge and your experience on this. I think it's really important. Thank you so much for having me. And and thank you for being interested in this conversation. I think that um, the only way that we continue to make progress in making better work for everyone is by having these types of conversations. So thank you. That was Rachel Finley. Be sure to check out voiceandspeechwithryan.com slash podcast to find show notes with the links where you can find more information on the topics we discussed, including info on where to find Rachel. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast and let me know what questions you have about your voice, speech, or presence. You can contact me at voiceandspeechwithryan.com. Until next time, bye! Bye!